Well, that should be our prayer this morning, shouldn't it? For the world to see Jesus in us. Well, it's good to be here again this morning. Look forward to what the Lord has for us. Thank you, preacher, for having us. Uh, come out of the hotel this morning and told my wife, I said, i got to get down there and get me some coffee. I mean, I didn't sleep well last night. probably got about two hours of sleep. and um, I got my coffee, and they were over there at the breakfast buffet just chowing down. And I, We got ready to leave, and I turned around, and I seen this gentleman there with a hat on, and uh, there at the coffee bar, and he was fixing his coffee. And he had a hat on it that said Vietnam, so I turned around immediately. I always do that, try to, uh, out of respect of our military. This thing just died out of respect of our military. And then also I want my children to see it. Amen. It's a good thing for our children to see. So I turned around. I shook the gentleman's hand. I said, were you in Vietnam? He said, I was. I said, I want to say thank you for your service. He said, were you there? I said, no, sir. I'm way too young for that. <laughs> He said, I didn't know. Brother Tim talking about being old this morning. I said, man, I felt old after that. <laughs> Amen. I dude thought I was in Vietnam. but It's good to see you this morning. How many of you got your Bibles this morning? Have I asked that? <laughs> We're going to be in Jeremiah this morning. We're going to start in Jeremiah. We may wind up going from Genesis to Malachi and preach every book of the Bible this evening. <laughs> I just had to say that. No, what a message last night on them gates, amen? I tell you what, we've got them ten ways to view the Christian life or ten gates of the Christian life. I tell you, it really helped me. Uh, spoke to my heart. Glad I went through that sheep gate. Amen. amen. I, I desire I desire to be going in and out of that fish gate, amen? I want to be a soul winner. I want to tell people about Jesus. And uh, that's, that's my desire. And then last night while he was preaching, he got over here in Jeremiah chapter 38, and I thought I was going to have to sit him down. Amen. I said, this dude's fixing to preach my sermon. Uh, but I want, to help you to, I want to help you this morning in Jeremiah 38. We're going to look at about the first six or eight verses this morning. Uh, let me ask you, and, and I'm not bashing because I've got it all. How many of you have got an Instagram account? Most all of the young people, I'm sure, has got an Instagram account. How many of you got a Facebook account? I've got a Facebook. I've got two Facebook accounts. I've got two Instagram accounts. I breed uh, Labrador Retrievers and train them for duck hunting. Uh, just a little side gig I do. So I've got a Waterway Retrievers account uh, on Instagram and Facebook. And then I've got a Pastor Chris Snyder account. And then me and my wife share account on Facebook. Uh, and, and, you know, one thing I do know about anything about social media it doesn't take a brain surgeon to figure this out, is that a lot of stuff that's put on there is how good everything's going in everybody's life. Isn't that right? Don't you, don't you look at it sometimes and you just get, think, man, they, they just always have it together. It, you know, it, it's almost plastic. It's almost fake, isn't it? You know, you think nobody ever has a bad day on Facebook. Everything's going good. I mean, uh, and when you look at all that, sometimes it just discourages you, don't it? Because you, you know really in your own heart, sometimes you're just into pits. How many of you have ever felt like you're just into pits sometimes? Just be honest. I, I, I'm, I'm not undermining you young people. I know you have bad days. I know you're going through things. 
I told my wife the other day, I said, our children are going through things that you and I never had to go through. The peer pressure that's there today and everything that's, that's uh, in front of you is there and I know that it can be discouraging and I know that you see things that's going on and you think, man, how in the why, why is it, isn't it that my life is going as good as everyone else's? Well, let me go ahead and tell you this. Everyone else's isn't going as good. We all face pits. We all go through hard times. Oh, we might not want to post it. We might not want to share it because we want everybody to think, hey, everything's all right in my house. But that's not always the case. We all go through hard times. And very few people in our lives are real. We've learned how to to make it up. We've learned how to put on that facade of, boy, everything's good. But it's not always good. And I'm not here to be uh, uh, down this morning. I'm just being real this morning. Jeremiah chapter 38 this morning. I'm going to try to do my best to read. My wife has a... Uh, I've, this year was the first year in 10 years I didn't go to camp. 10 years I, 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 I've been at camp there with Brother Mark Stroud. And last year, my wife, she got this cool idea. She, we had one when, I first, when we first got married. It's a little dog called a Lhasa Apso. Does anybody know what that is? It's a little rat on steroids. <clears throat> but this, this little dog, she wanted it, and she found it in South Carolina. So when we were coming up from Georgia uh, over towards the Greenville area, we stopped and picked up this little ball of fur. This little ball of fur chewed my glasses up the other day. So I have a hard time now seeing everything without it being blurry, so I might need to use your glasses in a moment. But uh, I'm going to try to do my best this morning in reading the scriptures. The first uh, verse, of course, we're going to look at. It's got a lot of names in it. I'm going to try to do my best going through it. Let's look at it then. Uh, Shephirah, the son of Maran, the, and Gideali, the son of Pasher, and Jukal, the son of Shilamiah and Pasher, the son of Milchiah, heard the words of Jeremiah, or excuse me, heard the words that Jeremiah had spoken unto all the people, saying, Listen to what he said, Thus saith the Lord, He that remaineth in the city shall die by the sword, by famine and by the pestilence. But he that goeth forth to the Chaldeans shall live. For he shall have his life for prey and shall live. Verse 3, Jeremiah once again, Thus saith the Lord. He's speaking on behalf of the Lord under the authority of God. He said, This city shall surely be given into the hand of the king of Babylon's army which shall take Away. I, I, the, the first thing I see here is the alarm of Jeremiah. Jeremiah begins to tell the people that it's time to get out of Dodge. It's time to get out of this place and, and move on uh, uh, and go forth to the Chaldeans. We've got to do what God has told us to do because judgment is coming. And can I tell you, I believe that if the people of God and the church of God doesn't get serious about the things of God. Just like the Lord said, judgment will start at the house of God. 
Amen. It's time for God's people to get serious about serving the Lord and selling out for God. And, and, and once again, just like Brother Elijah said just a few moments ago, boy, he, his desire is to one day marry a godly wife and, and, and allow that godly heritage that started with his grandparents to his parents and now down to him and his sisters to, to go on out and, and, and him continue that heritage. Oh, we need more young people and we need more parents to have a desire to hear the alarm from God that, hey, we have to wake up and serve God. Let me ask you, when the man of God stands and preaches, thus saith the Lord, are you all in? Are you listening to what God has for you? Are you praying and asking, Brother Vic, Lord, speak to my heart. Oh, God, give me something through the Word of God today that may change me, that may salvage me, that may help me. Hey, do what you would have me to do. So I see here the alarm of, of, of Jeremiah. He cries out and he tells the people of God there, it's time to move, it's time to get out of here because judgment is coming. I believe we're seeing judgment on America today. Amen. Every door at this church is locked right now because we don't know what's happening. We don't know what could happen. There's no telling how many guns is in this small crowd this morning. There's a whole bunch of you not even allowed to tote them. Just, just for protection. Our, our country needs to turn back to God and needs to hear the cry of God and needs to be alarmed, hey, that judgment is coming. If you look at verse 4 with me, Therefore the princes said unto the king, they've now gone before the king because they've heard what Jeremiah has said. They, they've listened to the cry of God. They've heard the plea of Jeremiah saying to the people, it's time for us to move on. And, and, and the princess uh, uh, said unto the king, we beseech thee, let this man be put to death. For thus he weakeneth the hands, look at this, he weakeneth the hands of the men of war that remain in the city and that the hands of all the people in speaking such words unto them, for this man seeketh not the welfare of the people, but the hurt. So not only do I see the alarm of Jeremiah, but now I see the accusation of the princes. They go to the king and they tell the king, O king, O king, this man has begun to spew things that has weakened our army. They're hearing what he said, and because he has said, Thus saith the Lord, we've got to go on, we've got to move on. Now they're having second thoughts about going to battle and going to war because now they want to move their family on. Now they want to go on. So they begin to accuse, accuse Jeremiah of doing wrong when Jeremiah was doing what God had told him to do. And you listen to me and listen good. When you stand for right, there's going to be a crowd that say you're doing wrong. But it doesn't matter what the crowd says. You better do what God says. Because what God says is far more important. What God says is going to give you uh, way more blessings than trying to appease your peers. We see the accusation here of the princess. Look at verse 5 with me. It says, Then Zedekiah the king said, Behold, he is in your hand. For the king is not 
he that can do anything against you. Now I see the absence of leadership in this king. This king just bowed. I mean, he basically just said, hey, whatever y'all want to do, just do it. Just take care of it. He didn't want to step up and say, hey, wait a minute. We better listen to this guy. This guy's got a word from God. This, this guy's speaking on the authority of God. But instead, they wanted to, they, they, he just wanted to kind of sweep it under the rug. It's a problem I don't want to handle. I, I just want it to go away. Just You guys just take care of it. Just do fit what you think needs to happen. We look at verse number 6. It says, Then took they Jeremiah and cast him into the dungeon. They, they, they threw him in this dungeon, this, this uh, place of, of darkness, this place of destruction. They, they decided, hey, let's just, let's just throw him down here in this dungeon and, and we won't have to hear him no more. We won't have to hear what he has to say. You know, uh, uh, since the beginning of time, they've been trying to shut the preacher up. I'm thankful for men who's still willing to preach. Brother Tim said it just a few moments ago. When you go east, when you cross over 95, it's a different place. Uh, we've got more CEOs and more... Uh, it, it's sad. Nobody is preaching. It's let me share a little bit. Let me say this. Let me do this. Last night, the man of God gave a little bit of an introduction. He said, let's pray, and he kneeled down. I looked over, I was sitting right over there, I looked over at my boy, because he knows real preaching from, from not. I looked over at Elijah, my son, and he looked at me, I said, he's a preacher. But you know, the world's been trying to silence, let me say this, you ready? The church has been trying to silence. Oh yes. Very few want to hear, thus saith the Lord anymore. If they can put him off and, and, and just do whatever it takes to silence him. And Jeremiah, they put him down in this dungeon to shut him up. I'm thankful for the man of God that raised his voice. I'm thankful for the one that has stand up and say, hey, thus saith the Lord. You better listen, church. The Word of God is still true. God is still at work. God is still saving. God is still uh, convicting. God is still changing lives. God still put marriages back together. God is still taking people out of pits and putting them in pulpits. Hey, God can still do the amazing work that He's always done. I like verse 7 through 9. We see the abandonment of Jeremiah. We see the absence of the leadership of the king. Verse 7 through 9, now in a, I want to say Abimelech, but that's not how you say it. The Ethiopian, one of the eunuchs, which was in the king's house, heard that they had put Jeremiah in the dungeon. The king then sitting in the gate, there's a gate of Benjamin. This, this Ethiopian eunuch went forth out of the king's house and spake to the king, saying, My lord, the king, these men have done evil 
in all that they have done to Jeremiah the prophet, to whom they cast into the dungeon, and he is like to die for hunger in the place where he is. For there is no more bread in the city. Then the king commanded this Ethiopian, I'm sorry I'm bypassing his name, he, he, somebody not say that? I didn't think so. Saying, take from hence 30 men. The king commands this Ethiopian, he says, you take 30 men with thee and take up Jeremiah the prophet from out the dungeon before he die." So this gentleman took the men with him and went into the house of the king under the treasury and took thence old rags, old uh, clouts and old rotten rags and let them down by cords into the dungeon where uh, to Jeremiah. And, and this uh, Ethiopian said unto Jeremiah, Put now these old cast clots of rotten rags under thy armhole, under the cords. And Jeremiah did so, and these men took Jeremiah up out of the dungeon. I see here the appeal of this Ethiopian. He appealed to the king. And I say today that there's somebody, your preacher, pastor of this church, he knows it. I, I guess, I don't even, do you remember where we met at? Middle Tennessee Baptist Church, Tony Hudson's. We were there for a, a, a meeting or something, and he come and sat down on the front row where I was sitting at. He said, what's up? This is before he got old. I said, how you doing? He said, where are you from? I said, North Carolina. He said, shoot, man. Or foot. He likes foot, don't he? Foot, dude. I'm from North Carolina. I said, where at? He told me. From then, start a great relationship. That's been 10, 12 years ago. Him and I, me and my family, for years have begged God to move us to Woodland. Well, I want to be up under the preacher, but God's never seen fit. You don't know what you have here. We watch, boy, I'm glad for the live stream. Amen. We watch these services all the time. Sometimes we just say, we got to go to church. Because this, y'all don't understand, it's desolate over there. I mean, it's a far country. This Ethiopian appealed on behalf of the prophet Jeremiah. And I tell you what you need to be doing. You need to, go, you need to be going to the king on behalf of your prophet. You say, oh, I'm just a young... No, age don't have, a, age don't have anything to do with it. You can go to the throne of God. You can go before the King of kings and Lord of lords and on behalf of your man of God, you can appeal to the king. That was all introduction. I got three points and we're going to go to the cafeteria. Number one, I want you to see, we see the descent of the prophet. He was accused in verse 4. He was alone in verse 5. He was assaulted in verse number 6. As this, as this prophet was, he was descended down into this, 
pit into this uh, dungeon. Now let me tell you something this morning, young people. That dungeon, look at me, look at me. Don't, don't bail out yet. I've only got about 10 minutes. I'll be done. Don't bail out. That, that, that pit you're in, that dungeon you're in, that one that you maybe have put yourself in, you feel all alone. You feel that nobody else cares. You feel accused. And I tell you, there's a God in heaven that wants to help you out of that pit. I talk with young people all the time. I love young people. That, and I, I talk with them that cut themselves and that do all kinds of ungodly things. Uh, and they're in a pit. And they're looking for someone to help them. Can I tell you, sometimes when you get in that pit, there's nobody, no friend. Sometimes not even a preacher. But can I tell you, there's a God in heaven that can reach down in that pit and that can pull you up out of that pit and help you get going again for the glory of God. That song that young lady sung while ago, that first song. What was the name of that song again? There's somebody out there. Did you listen to the words of that song? I look at my wife. I said, I haven't heard that song in years. Can I tell you today, there's somebody out here. There, there's one of you, you don't feel as popular as someone else. You, you feel like you're all alone. Well, you wish you had the friends that this one had or that one had. And you feel like, hey, I, I just don't want to go no more. I don't, I don't want to keep going. I feel like I'm down in the dungeon. I'm, I'm sinking in the mire. I, I, I can't get out of this. But let me tell you, there's a God that can help you get out of this. The, the sin of the prophet. Number two, we see the dungeon of the prophet. He's sunk in this dungeon, verse 6. The very end of verse 6, it said, In the dungeon there was no water but mire. So Jeremiah sunk in the mire. You stay in the dungeon that you're in, listen to me, you stay in that dungeon you're in, all you're going to continue to do is sink lower. Sink lower. Sink lower. While you're sinking, you'll be starving. You, you won't get what you could get outside the dungeon. You, you, won't, you won't be able to feed on what God has for you spiritually. Sinking in the mire. He struggled. And you know what? You, in that dungeon, you'll struggle. You say, preacher, I'm so I'm, I feel like I'm so in a in, in a in a dungeon by myself, preacher. I'm, I feel like I'm sunk up to my neck. I don't see no way out. Let me tell you, when you don't see a way out, that God has a way out. You, God is not dependent on you to get yourself out. God is dependent to get you out. I tell people all the time especially when I'm talking with folks about their soul and eternity. And I've ran into many, many folks who have said, you know, I'm just not ready yet. I usually give them two or three warnings of some things about waiting about salvation. Number one, you don't know when the Lord's coming back. 
preacher talked about it a little bit last night. You, you, you turn the Spirit of God away so many times after a while, he'll say, well, if you just keep rejecting me, I'll go on to somebody else. And this might be the last time God knocks on your door for you to be saved. So you don't know when the Lord's coming back, and you don't know uh, uh, if this could be your last opportunity to get saved, and then you just don't know when you're going to die. None of us know when we're going to pass away. If we knew when we were going to pass away, we'd do everything we could to try to bypass that moment. Because we're all looking forward to going to glory, but nobody's looking at going today. Amen. I tell people whenever I'm witnessing to them, you know, many folks want to say, boy, let me clean my life up. Let me change some things before I come to God. And I tell them all the time, you know, the, the, the thing about that, God doesn't want you to do that. Because when you clean yourself up, and when you turn over that new leaf, and whenever you change yourself, God gets no glory for that. But when God takes a doper, when God takes somebody, that's, when God takes a Christian school child that has no interest in God, that really is here because mom and daddy made them come, and God sets their soul on fire, then God gets all the glory for it. So God isn't looking for you to figure out a way how to get out of the dungeon. God is wanting you to allow Him to get you out of the dungeon. So while you're starving and you're anemic, whenever you feel like, hey, the struggle is so real and you're sunk down in the mire of this dungeon, hey, this morning the best thing you can do is turn to God and allow God to take you out of that dungeon. You say, preacher, you don't understand. I'm one, of the, I'm one of the most popular girls here. I'm one of the most popular boys here. Everybody thinks I've got it right. It doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. It's God in heaven that knows you're sinking in the dungeon. And you need to get out of that dungeon. You need to come this morning let God get you out of that dungeon. Our piano player's coming, and while we look at this last point, we see the... We see the descent of the prophet. We see the dungeon of the prophet. But we've seen the defense of the prophet. Thank God he had a friend. Huh? Thank God he had a friend. This morning, you look at me. You may be here this morning, and you may say, well, nobody realizes that I'm in a dungeon. You know, you may have a friend sitting there with you that, that would grab you by the hand and walk with you. They don't want to see you sink in the mire. They don't want to see you be a casualty. They want to be your friend. He had a helpful friend, but he had a heavenly father. I guarantee you when Jeremiah was down in that hole, he knew he went all alone. <laughs> he knew he had God. God, I guarantee you when he was sinking, he didn't know how he was going to get out. He didn't know if he was going to get out. He knew that the princes have already said, oh king, let's kill him. He said, hey, I'm sinking in the mire. This is far better than death. I don't know what all he was thinking, but I can guarantee you one thing he knew, he won't by himself. 
And you might be down in the dungeon today. You may feel like you're sinking in the mire. But let me tell you something this morning. If you're saved by the good grace of God, you are not alone. Hey, God the Father is there with you. He'll pick you up out of the mire, plant your feet on a solid rock, and establish your going. Dear child of God, get out the... Go ahead and start playing, sister. Just, hey, look. Listen to me this moment. We're not posting anything on Facebook. Because probably if you posted really what was going on in your life on Facebook, you think, boy, everybody thinks I'm having a rough day. Why don't you just look in your heart for a moment and be real? Just say, I'm mired up in the dungeon. Oh, I've been there in the last year. Just mired up. I found out I had a friend. When I look in the Bible, Brother Tim, I got to studying this. All kinds of dungeons. We call Daniel's a den of lions. It was a dungeon. We call Jonah's the belly of a whale, but it was a dungeon. We call Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego a fiery furnace, but it was a dungeon. We call Joseph's a hole. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying, if you're in a pit today, you're in with good company. Because a lot of God's men went in the dungeon. But they all came out victorious. I'm reminded of one spent three days on a cross. Went in a barroom dungeon but death angel couldn't hold him the devil couldn't stop him uh, the flesh couldn't hold him up from the grave he arose hey why because that dungeon couldn't hold him whatever dungeon you're in this morning young person whatever dungeon you're in today older person God's here to help you out We'll stay in that pit. Trust me, it ain't worth it. Let's all stand as she's playing. If God spoke to your heart this morning.